McCartney. There is no Christmas music on my podcast, okay? <sighs> we, like, Welcome back to the Keen Lake Podcast, <laughs> the premier whiskey podcast now with the mention of whiskey in its title. And we are back for another edition of the 12 Days of Barrel Picks. This is your host, Jake, speaking here live from Fountainhead with Bob Zacharias and Kelly Nakagama. Hey. We're back for another round of whiskey. No, Kelly almost threw her glass at me. I mentioned <laughs> Christmas music again. So. Damn it! Damn it! I promise it'll be probably probably the last time I mention Christmas music. We the are only reason I didn't is because it's the only glass I have, and we're gonna drink some good whiskey in a second. True, <laughs> true. Yeah, I just want to introduce this one, get it out front there. This is a little bit of a self-indulgent uh, episode for me um, because we are talking about the brand that I work for called Star Wars, which is an Australian whiskey out of Melbourne, Australia. And Kelly, who is crazy enough to buy a barrel of our whiskey put her whiskey group's name on the front of there and sell it off to the rest of the world through the Fountainhead Market, which we um, were, was the proprietor, purveyor of it all. So that way... Oh, get in here. Who is that? That's John. That's John. Oh, That's like, John. That? Anyway, um, but yeah, we were uh, fortunate enough to... Um, Bring a barrel of whiskey to Chicago with the wonderful group Women Who Whiskey, which was one of three barrel picks that were placed in Chicago this year, and uh, one of 17 that were all scattered all throughout the United States of Star Wars. And I'm just going to let Kelly uh, rip away on this one because I don't want to come off as an arrogant prick. But you're the one that it, knows all the information. And, and it is owed. That you, you owe yourself an indulgent, <laughs> right. an indulgent pod as well. I, 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 maybe. I you don't do. know. Maybe. The one, one day. It one is day. deserved. I mean, everything that I know about Star Wars and the reason I like it is because of what I learned from you. And mm. So that you does do make get sense. some credit. Some credit. Uh, also, you should take good? a picture of the bottle so that we can open it. Oh, we haven't done that yet? Well, <laughs> no. um, yeah. Why don't you go, oh, as I take some pictures of it, okay. why don't you talk about um, your relationship with Star Wars? Both of you, you, I guess, because I, I, mean, I guess I'm kind of the one reason why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our Let's connection. Let's get a, fire, a fireplace shot. You should definitely get a fireplace shot. So I guess uh, Jake and I met maybe like two years ago, at maybe at this point, and I was really curious about, as a huge single malt fan, I was really curious about whiskeys that were from other places just because I think the concept of like terroir and that sort of thing is really fascinating. I love the idea of different climates, aging things differently, different techniques, techniques affecting how whiskey turns out. And so when I learned about Star Ward, I was so fascinated because I'm a, I actually like Australian wine and they are aging their whiskey exclusively in Australian wine, which was a fun question. What does Australian wine due to whiskey what is the climate of australia which is obviously doing great things for their wine how does that affect whiskey and so i tried star ward and instantly was like yes i'm into it and i think one of the things i i remember sitting in a bar with you trying it and being like this is awesome and i could see it being approachable to a lot of different types of whiskey drinkers i think as um president of women who whiskey I'm always trying to bridge those. We have a lot of people who are just rye drinkers, just scotch drinkers, or just bourbon drinkers. And that's fine because, you know, everyone has their preference. But also, there's that bridge. Like, how do you see across the line? And how do you maybe try it? And I felt like this is a whiskey that you could really get anybody who was into whiskey to enjoy. Not only that, I felt like... There, the wine notes were so prominent that I could get my 
quote unquote non-whiskey friends who felt like they didn't like whiskey to try it because that wine mm. note comes through and it's it's kind of like that familiar oh those are those wine things I like, but wait, this is whiskey and I don't like whiskey, but wait, this is amazing. And so I started, I started doing that with my bottle of Nova. I mean, it's one of the first things that I would show to people that came over, like, try this. Even if you're a whiskey drinker, try this. It's from Australia. If you're not a whiskey drinker, try this. If you like wine or if you are curious, it, it was so unique, but also so familiar at the same time. Right. No, I, I, I had that exact same experience with it too, and I'm sure I've talked about it before. The first time I had it, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I didn't know even know where it was from. Uh, one of our sales reps who I work with now uh, gave it to me at a whiskey show, and she's like, "Try this. I want to see what you think about it." I tasted it. I was confused by it, but it felt familiar at the same time. I thought maybe it's an Irish triple distilled aged in some sherry casks, or maybe even a port finish to it. I don't know. Definitely had a wine influence in there, but it was spicy. There's a little bit of a ginger flavor I got to it, a little bit of a honey flavor as well, and really peppery notes to it where it just threw me off completely. And a lot of those notes come from the terroirs you spoke of about Australia and the weather it kind of you know, uh, facilitates there where um, you get six or four seasons in a day over there where versus a lot of places you have your seasons and it's pretty consistent on temperature all throughout those three to four months and then it transitions into new things and which is obviously a great aspect to have and barrel aging in certain parts of the country. It's probably why our bourbon tastes the way it does, but this is why Australian whiskey tastes the way it does because you get those fluctuations in temperatures every single day. Yeah, I, I was so blown away and then we started working together more because I wanted people to really get familiar with, with the brand. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were doing more events with women who whiskey and people were really liking it. And the first one, I think we actually did a wine breakdown. Yeah. Yeah. Here. I think that was here. It was here. Yeah. yeah. It was here. It was, it was awesome. a lot of fun. Was, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that was something I even said, because anybody done tasting like this before. That, yeah. yeah. Like I let's pair it. wine yeah. and so whiskey. Let's, let's have some fun with it this. It was kind of weird. I thought that I assumed that our company just did that all the time back in Australia. And this is, I mean, this is one of the first events we did that I mean intimately yeah, with a I've with anybody I've with a club a bar or anything really yeah we'd only been in the market for six months at that point oh I did not know that that yeah was, yeah that, I thought that was, was so awesome. fun looking that back on great. it now yeah it was a blast and it was something that one of the things I like to do with my events is pair things or or maybe not even pair things but like give people the opportunity to open things side by side that you're normal like who in their right mind besides me because I'm a psycho nerd. <laughs> I'm gonna is gonna open a bottle of wine and an, a bottle of whiskey and drink them together, right, like and, yeah. and compare them. But there mm -hmm. are reasons to do that, and right. that's one of the cool things about women who whiskey is like let's open even several whiskeys at once, drink them at the same time, and compare them, yep. and that gives people that opportunity. I think well, you, you nailed it completely with the the crossover thing. I mean, even for me, being a a whiskey fan first, I started drinking more fortified wine because mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I was Scott so much, and I wanted to know what fortified wine you know what the notes that those are you can read about it but when you're tasting them you can you can see it then when I'm what impact drinking barrels have, yeah. is, uh, drinking an oloroso sherry drinking all these different types of fortified wine and how that imparts its flavor into scotch um, you can then become a fan of something that you weren't really in, invested in before right and so i think this is a great what what kelly was just saying i, I agree fully on why starwood i think works for a lot of different people mm. for hardcore Scotch fans, I think it works um, for people who love sherry casts, for people who love wine finishes, for people who love wine, people who love it. It really fits. So yeah, and so Nova, Nova is our flagship whiskey, which is our single malt that we 
do about 25 or so casts inside of one barrel. We do a vatting, as we talked about with Glenn Farkless earlier. Um, There's a whole vatting experience after we individually age 25 casts in a variety of Shiraz, Pinot, and Cab barrels. We really want to get those big, fruity, jammy flavors of Australian wines you spoke of into our whiskey at the end of the day. So we get we get barrels that are fresh. They're wet. We do st- like to kind of steam them a little bit to bring them a little bit of that hydration out of them or to hydrate them a little bit more and bring them more alive to really get those flavors inside of our whiskey at the end of the day. And we don't really ch- char a lot of our barrels. Um, okay. A small amount, um, especially with Nova. We use this very small amount, unlike Solera, which all of them are pretty much charred. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. With Nova, not, I think around, last time I talked to our head distiller, is around 25% of our casts are charred. Okay. And so they're toasted casts, uh, American French oak spray, 50-50 on that one, and we barely age between three to four years. Anything above that, we find we just get too much of those oaky flavors. We get too much of the wine influence where it overwhelms the actual single malt, and it's all fresh malted barley from local farmers, too, that we try to source from. Now we're at the behest of who's still operating because of the fires and the pandemic over the last oh, year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but uh, we still work with local farmers in that aspect to find uh, an all local ingredient to really create an Australian whiskey inside of your bottle representing Melbourne, but also Australia too. And this is essentially the single cast we're going to be talking about is Nova, um, but it's a little bit of a different variation of Nova because it's only one Shiraz cast uh, that we aged for only three years. And I think it's really fun to have you two here because this cast started with Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I remember um, I was tasting out yeah. and I love it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, was I there? You, yeah. Did you taste it the, before I tasted it? Because I think the, it, we, it was at the, the Women Who Whiskey event that I think, Jake, you took us aside and you were like, yeah. hey, yep. and we had this, I, I've been trying to tell people the amount of whiskey that you and I both tried, <laughs> which was like half a sip. And we just were like, yeah, this is an amazing whiskey. And I mean, it was not even a full drink. It was not no. even a full pour. And I was like, yeah, I'm sold. I barely even had any left of it. It was, <laughs> yeah. I, it was shocking. So I had about, so when we got, we had about 19 different barrel selects sent or 18 different barrel selects sent to America for us to sell. And not a lot of juice of, the, of those. I tried about seven or eight of them. In my opinion, I rated. I'm not anybody special. Feels good, photo. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get a get a quick photo of that one. Um, put your hand around. Oh, it. there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like we can we can restage this mm-hmm. if we need to. Um, but it was so we got we got about I, I probably tasted about seven of the eight of the eighteen or nineteen we got in the states, and three of them I thought were just outstanding A plus. They were all good. I mean, they're all A's in my opinion, but we there was three that really spoke to my my t- my taste buds and this was one of them uh the other one the other two are has happened to be in chicago as well but i thought this one stood out all by itself i remember the first time that bob tried it you're like what is this 10 11 12 years like, oh that was a funny <laughs> I don't know. no i'm just joking I know, I was no 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 I'm just joking. you know i had had a few whiskeys no so. no no no, no but, but we don't really talk about our age statement that much no. it's on the bottle but it's it's not it's just not there because we 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 have to depend on our environment so much that we don't go above four years because it would like we talked about earlier it's it would deplenish the actual taste of the whiskey. And I remember you tasting it and you thought like I I'm not gonna tell you how old it is and I think your first guess was eight years to be yeah, honest. I think eight, it was eight, at yeah. least eight eight to ten and but that's why you know sometimes you know. Uh, I don't think that the age statement can necessarily it, it can matter, but not necessarily. You know, you can taste young whiskey, and know it's young whiskey, but it doesn't. It's um, it doesn't just mean because it's 
12 years that it's going to be better than three years. It's not, right. that's doesn't, that's not a, um, those things are, are separate, you know, right. each whiskey yeah. should stand by itself, not just because of it. Well, how, how old is it? And so you just say, if somebody just says it's 15 years, there's some, my people might think, oh man, it's 15 years. It's got to be better than something that's six right. years. And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. Right. You have to know where it's from, what those effects all around the company, who's handling, who's caring for the whiskey, where we're a distillery that is made up of brewers that head our distilling company because our founder was a brewer and he wanted to make essentially our, our new make as a saison. So he wants brewers to be there. But then in the back end of our distillery is all winemakers and they care for all the barrels and they're the ones that curate everything and blend everything and those are the winemakers that come into play and beer makers that intertwine to make in my opinion a pretty beautiful whiskey but it's it's funny with like our conversation bob with the barrel pick started about a year ago i mean Mm -hmm. we started having a conversation about uh, do you want to bring a single barrel in into fountainhead yeah we were going to try to go try to go out there yeah Uh, yeah that was hey was that that was that this year that was last year that was literally this time last year we we had started talking about it. Le- yeah, le- yeah. And then yes. I think around eight, right before the pandemic, February. I, yeah, we were. Was it was it this February that we yeah, did yeah, yeah, the yeah. event, the wine and whiskey event? Was no, that, that was last. Year? That was last October. That was last October. Okay, yeah, it right. was yeah. like fallish. See, okay, we did. Oh, we did another event. Well, another event here in December. Yes, that was when our David, founder. Yeah, that was when he yeah. came in. Right? right, that was just, that was more or less just a hangout. <laughs> Uh, cocktail menu. Yeah. Yeah, yes, oh, oh, was I? I'm pretty yes. sure you oh, were. Oh, was I? Oh, there were some other people here. I think so. Was I gone? I, I, I remember oh. you had a conflict of interest. I'll put it that way. Wait, I was in Portugal. In December? No. <laughs> wait, maybe I was gone. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, it's wait, okay. why didn't I go to this? But okay. We did, we we did something else here before everything shut down. Yeah, yeah I can't we, were, we were talking about trying to get out there in April. Or, yeah. And then obviously that. Choosing a barrel and all that. And then, you know, obviously things... Took a turn. Took a turn. And then um, I had this, I think the, sc- the craziest thing about this barrel pick right here is that nobody else in the U.S. wanted it, and I was waiting for it to come back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I was I was out in one of our other markets. I'm like, if no one sells it, I can sell it tomorrow. There was like yeah. three people I had in mind, right. and I, I know somebody will buy it. Yep. And I'm glad it fell was into Was I one it. of the people in your, or no? So, yeah. I think no, you, you like, I, oh, I, I thought so you were kind here, of like, I, I guess I can reveal my master plan here. <laughs> <Okay>. Um <laughs> Uh, Women Who Whiskey is somebody who I would, I've always wanted to sell a barrel f- to um, since I started working with you guys. I just didn't know if you actually did it because you never had bought one. Yeah. And, and we had wanted to do it, but we were kind of like, yeah. we wanted to find the right, the right distillery, the right bottle. Right. Because I think, again, like the easy choice would have been to do like an American distillery. But mm-hmm. then I, so many people are doing that. And I really want it for me as like a single malt fan. And I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of get the word of something kind of unique out yeah. and be so it, it was just we were waiting for the right and i don't think i've ever told you that that i was waiting to do a, a barrel pick and then you just walked up one day like <laughs> do you want to buy a barrel and i was like yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't by accident oh uh, okay yeah well you did mention that the night you had committed to it but um i had one other retailer in mind who had wanted a barrel pick from star ward but he was kind of overwhelmed with barrels at the time. And this is before you guys announced that you had closed too. I'm like, okay, well, I can still, I think I can get Fountainhead on one. And um, this is great. And it was literally that week that it came back to me that you guys announced that it was closing. It, yeah. But but I, I want week, week before I, I I had well once it came in the mail to me. But once it came back to me, I'm like, right. okay, yeah. yeah. And knew you're closing, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to taste it because I mm-hmm. thought you would really enjoy it. Just just as a fan of whiskey and just. You know, as a friend, as a supporter of the brand, like I want you to try to still. But I also knew we were doing an event with Women Who Whiskey that night, and I thought, 
you're on my list of people I want to sell <laughs> barrels to and who I want to have more of a relationship with when it comes from the brand side of everything. And obviously just because you guys are awesome and do a great job curating the selections you have with with your, not your members, but with the brands you bring along to talk to you about whiskey and enjoy the entire overall experience to spread the love about what we do as, um, you know, as whiskey people here. And so I knew Kelly was going to be there and Kelly was standing right there and she's like, can I taste it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, matter of fact, you can <laughs> in my mind. And she loved it. I thought she would love it as well. And five minutes later we were talking about selling a barrel. Yeah. I think yeah. we were at the, we were at the table that we've done the pot yeah. on the roof at. Yeah. Right. 403 is the name of the table, just in case. 403. <laughs> oh, I didn't we're, know. We were sitting at 403, well, and I remember we were tasting and, ta- and talking yeah. about it, and I'm, so I'm glad that uh, we were able to make it make it happen and work with you guys on on that. So. Oh yeah, so, it was, and it was kind of like the perfect storm of like timing and everything. And mm-hmm. right. Well, let's, did we cheers? Our, we I haven't we didn't tried this one. Yet. I haven't cheers. tried it. I haven't tried it since that night. I tried it one other time trying to get tasting notes, and I had like half a sip, and it, I was so overwhelmed <laughs> trying to figure out what it tasted like. And oh. Oh God, it's so good! I'm so excited to just oh, be on board with this. For sure, it's um, what's is it at 110? Did yeah. we bottle at that? Yeah, 55 so. I, I was writing the labels for the other one. That was 54.3. Okay. Um, so it had that in my mind. It, I think it's such an exemplary illustration of what Nova can aspire to be. I mean, at, at 80 proof, we want to have this light, balanced whiskey. It's very delicious, and I obviously love it. I wouldn't work for a brand that I didn't love. But uh, I think there's a time and place for the higher cast strength to come into play with every single spirit if it tastes good. And it, I think Nova stands up for that. Single malts across the world, obviously. You're drinking them usually around 100 proof probably most of the time. I would say on on average, if you want to call it. I um, think that's like our type of – I don't is, know yeah. if everyone's yeah, on average. <laughs> right. But, and usually anything that's like you know, non-chill filtered um, yeah. is usually at like 46. Which I'm also excited for because we do chill filter our whiskey. We chill filter everything underneath 48, 48%. Oh, so these are not. So these are not. Ooh, yeah. I yeah. Not and I, I don't care. I, 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 yeah. I was commenting on Chris Blentner's post the other day. He was talking about chill filtering. And um, I strictly said like, hey, I work for this company. Uh, we chill filter everything underneath 48%. Uh, but I it, it, here's the reasons why, and but don't be ashamed of the whiskey inside your glass. And yeah. if you enjoy it, enjoy it. And I, that's what I found with Nova. It was more of a factor of hey, it's below fifty uh, percent alcohol. It's we do get a little bit more of those fruit tannins and those f- fatty acids from the fruits that will help eliminate that from the chill filtering. But it also created more consistency across our whiskey because we are doing a vatting process mm-hmm. and obviously as a brand that's small you want to create consistency to get it out there to the market and across the entire world as we as we strive to do over the last 13 years but this i think it just highlights a whole new representation in a wonderful way of nova i'm surprised cool. like compare i think it does need to open up a little bit like we yeah, literally yeah, just yeah. opened the bottle yep. but um I'm getting a lot more red fruits on it than I remember. I was, yeah. my biggest memory of it was like the cinnamon. I had a lot of cinnamon and, and I guess that's still there too. But, um, one of the ways, one of the first things I thought of when we were tasting it was cinnamon toast crunch cereal, mm-hmm. like that sugar cinnamon with that also like the cereal grain was really coming through. But today I'm getting a lot of the red fruits. Yeah. Same here. I get a little ginger on it as well. Actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. I chew through it. Um, it's still there, the cinnamon at the very end. It, when you wait for it, it kind of comes that yeah. that milky taste you get at the bottom, that sockiness from the cereal. But there's also this really cool 
mouthfeel that yeah. I don't think I think I only was taking these two tiny little sips like <laughs> two times I had it so I couldn't even focus on that but there's a really cool texture to this too the, it reminds me actually the mouthfeel of McKenna 10 that spearmint oh, okay. almost kind of flavor to it very refreshingness at the end I get some of that like almost pepperminty type uh-huh. I, I definitely think it's a I don't want to say it's a Christmassy whiskey because that would, in my world, as someone who hates Christmas, would be a detriment. Well, you got a Christmas, you got a Christmas barrel, so. <laughs> but I feel like it kind of has a winter, it. like win- fall, winter, even yeah. like apple pie type. And I don't even eat apple pie. I've never <laughs> even eaten apple pie, so I'm just striking out all over the place. But I feel like there's like some really cool like winter notes and mm-hmm. fall Christmas. weather. It's all no, Christmas. No. This is going to turn into a Christmas it's a really, podcast. It's a really great um, transition from the Glenn Farkless to this. I mean, it, mm-hmm. they're in the same family, I feel like. Yeah, but that, that's very interesting. It, it's a little bit more intense in the... I think so, too. But yeah, yeah. they actually go together really well. a little well. bit more intense fruits. I'm, the color is ridiculous yeah, on this, I too. Mean, it looks so red. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a deeper color than the Glenn Farkless. What I love about it, too, is you know? um, just in a quick comparison to another barrel pick we have... This one is a hundred percent different from the other one that I love. That was like it was. You open it, and it feels like you just have this Italian table wine instantaneously coming really? out. Of, yeah, but this one I remember why I loved it so much was that autumnal hug. It felt like yeah. just baking spices and everything yeah. you love about the fall and tradition. Like sitting by a fire. Yeah, like, yeah. Like we Absolutely, are. I mean, yeah. it totally is this. I can comforting. T- the day I brought it to you guys, I remember what I was doing before I even came here. I was sitting with my wife, working at. Um, Hex coffee shop and sitting outside it was like that first nice fall day where it's 60 degrees and you can be outside and be a little chill but they just have another layer on and everybody knows that i love i love layers that <laughs> it was it, it wasn't a total fall day and then opening this which i hadn't i i had a little sip of it but i wanted to save most of it for people that either could enjoy it or potentially sell up the bottle too the barrel too and it really just finished off very nicely with that day in drinking that and then doing a whole uh, event as well <laughs> I just added some water to mine, and it's oh yeah, it it added some interesting different notes with I think some of the spices, and again like those um, strawberries. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff going on with this. I'm so excited as it opens up. Yeah, I mean, talk about this is your inaugural Women Who Whiskey Chicago Chapter Barrel Pick. Yeah, which I'm super. I'm so excited about that, and um, I mean, I I like I said on our last podcast that I've been kind of kind of getting this weird obsession with just single cast just because learning about how you don't have that opportunity to kind of blend out any weird things like Mm -hmm. that it it kind of they're all funky whiskeys just by nature right sometimes oddballs are fun yeah and i love the oddball whiskeys i don't feel like this is like funky or odd in any way but it's just unique in that it's so beautiful and it's It's taste profile yeah i agree i think It'd be a cool opportunity to do what you guys did at Glen Farquhar's when you actually went and chose out your barrels is to do the first two-fold barrel pick where you could choose out your wheat and your malted barley barrel. Oh, and then yeah. We could, hey, That's cool. do you want to... That's cool when <laughs> things are... Like, yeah, yeah, maybe in the, a year or two, like, let's... <laughs> well, we get the inaugural partner on let's this? Go, yeah. The inaugural two-fold Part, barrel Partner pick. on a trip Ooh, there we go. to Australia. I think that sounds yes. like a good idea. I'm going to make that you guys go to the fun. opera, though. That you know that, right? What's in Sydney? So, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that we're going to go to Sydney afterwards. We're gonna go, so, I'm not flying that far to not go to Sydney. It's a flight. So. Uh, I did, unfortunately. Really? Okay, well, we'll all well, go to the opera. I was I'll only there for like six days. Okay. So. I'll take you to the opera. How long is that flight? Um, well, 
the <laughs> adventure, as I call it, the journey. <laughs> it's about 24 hours, once Ooh. 23 hours once you factor. Well, I was flying from New York last time I went to. So I flew from New York to LA, LA to Melbourne. The flight itself from Melbourne, LA to El- Melbourne is around 15 hours. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's weird because once you really think about where you are and how long you're in that place and you, it's night, obviously, and you can't see anything. It's just you're flying over ocean. It gets a little trippy sometimes, but the flights, right. the airplanes are big enough where you can like walk around and yeah. all that. But the flight back, can you stretch your legs just a little bit. Right, the flight back. I don't know what I did. I don't. I don't remember sleeping at all. Really. So for twelve and or I think it was like thirteen and a half hours on the way back. So yeah. Who knows? It'll be a fun experience It'll for all fun. of us to have. Yeah, yeah. you definitely happen. start. You start feeling it like two days in. You're like, what just happened to my body? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Your body hate like even it, like your head knows what's right. going on, but your body's like, why would you do this? <laughs> right, right, right. No, then I flew back to New York too from there. Oh. Yeah, so that was a it was a long trip. But yeah, I, I definitely would love to go see the distillery and mm-hmm. and that would be a great experience. Just renovated the distillery as well, so whole new operating system when it comes to our stills and added uh, um, fermenters and all that new setup for us. So we're pretty excited to share that with the world because our distillery just reopened um, a couple of weeks ago. Do you think that that's mm. going to affect the taste at all? Um, I, I don't think so. I think it'll just probably be more consistent, if anything. Uh, just uh, we can do bigger um, batches of whiskey and we can mash more. We have a silo, which I think is 40,000 40, gallons or 40,000 liters of multi barley we hold there. Um, so it's quite a bit. I think it just it, it matters. It's a matter of our our team just perfecting what they already do. I think in that standpoint, Sam, who's our head distiller, um, Sam Slaney, awesome dude. He was the very first employee that Dave ever hired, and is still with the company to this day. And he's like, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's in still in his thirties, but wow. has perfected what Dave had in his head to getting it out there to the rest of the world. And kind of the biggest compliment I can give him too is. You know, there is a guy who had a vision for it, and he's put it out there for everybody to enjoy. I think it's, it's fascinating what you said earlier about um, there being, like, the brewers. You know, like, yeah. Dave comes from, like, a di- brewer's kind of background, and then you have people coming from the wine background. And I think that that just shows that, you know, it takes it. Obviously, whiskey takes a team of people, but, like, mm-hmm. a team of ex- expertise of, like, bringing in like what wine notes can we bring into whiskey what yeah i love that whole layered teamwork thing that that's why it's such a good whiskey is that you have all these people saying like well in wine we do this and in beer we do this like in whiskey we Mm -hmm. do this let's create this together (laughs) well i think it's totally right on line with your journey into star ward how you had this um infatuation or you know a likeness for red wines coming out of australia that was dave's thought was too what what can i take best what australia does from a spirits or alcohol standpoint and put it into my whiskey to make it totally a total australian experience inside of the bottle and his answer that was using those red wine casts and this is the only australian whiskey that's aged exclusively in red wine correct yeah at least at least for the for the length that we do and for and for every single skew that we produce it's always red wine cast too because i guess i think think there's some other ones that are messing around with it um but not not like, yeah, not where like your three main flagship products are all exclusively aged in red wine cast for three to four years. I think and that's so cool. I don't even know, and Bob, you may know this. I don't know any other even distilleries going straight into red wine off the cuff at all. Do you? Well, I mean, technically, Avalour Twelve is half of it. Where but half it's still half red wine or fortified. 
Yeah, because uh, see, that true. would be like a fortified because they're going fortified. into right, Oliroso, sure, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so or even like Glen, like Glendronic, Glen Farkless. They're yeah. all yeah. going all into fortified. Oliroso. That's I don't fortified, know fortified wine. I know we hold ourselves to be the largest collection of red wine barrels, f- fully maturing whiskey across the world. And when you say red wine, obviously not fortified red right. wine. We do some. Because we I, do I'm, have fortified cast though, because Solera is all fortified mm-hmm. red wine. Cast. Um, and yeah, I mean, Kilholman has done some stuff mm-hmm. that is. Uh, full maturation of some red wine cast, but again, that's not across the board. Not having twelve thousand barrels. Talking about one the, single cast right, right. We Beastie is a. Oh yeah. Is that a red wine? No, it's nope. the Ardbeg Black. That's a Pinot oh. Noir, but mm-hmm. it's not exclusive. Right. I think it goes into something else first. And that's just one one mark out of right. However many, not every mark, not not a kind of across the board yeah. distillery. So yeah, I'd have to. Not that, that I can lot of think research. of. I mean, there's there's Same. a lot of there's some research to do there, but there's nothing that comes off the top of my head, which is great. It makes it unique. Um, it makes it again the crossover approachability into a lot of um, a lot there's, of other different fans. There's probably some small distillery across America saying, "We do it, we do it." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows. We're sorry for disclaimer to like yeah. anyone who's actually doing that. We can't think yeah. of you right all now. All 2,800 distilleries <laughs> in America. Yeah. No, but it is a very. Uh, it was when Dave started using red wine cast. There was no secondary market for red wine barrels in Australia, surprisingly, other than really? people just using it for gardening. <laughs> Oh, yeah. wow. And he started buying these barrels for like eighty dollars a barrel, but now some of the casts he used that for like for Solera, which is in an age, which is a you use a para cast, which is Australian fortified sherry essentially. Um, you just can't say sherry until like you know a Spaniard from Australia, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, but you use those casts, and some of those go for like nine hundred dollars a cast now. They're so do, sought after. Do you guys have any fooders? Any what fooders? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, we do, Bob. If oh, you yeah. need more, we can talk. I have no idea what that is. Tell her what it is. We can talk. Uh, so fruiters are kind of blending barrels. So they're these giant, um, some of them are like 25 barrel size. Oh, wow. Yeah. Giant wooden barrels. That, uh, uh, a lot of breweries uh, are starting to use A lot of breweries them. use, yeah. use fruiters for okay. um, larger scope aging, a lot of wild, wild stuff. So like wild fermentation stuff will go into fruiters, blending into fruiters. And then you can almost kind of, some of them will create like a Solera type of system okay. yeah. where they're rotating. Be United um, imports and they have their own brewery there out in Oxford, Connecticut. They import a lot of, um, a lot of worldwide beer. They have a lot of imports where they ship them in a tank over there and it's temperature controlled and it's essentially live acting beer. And then they'll put them in fruiters, especially if it's something that's, that's meant to be sour or wild from fermentation, then they'll blend them in the fooder and then keep that kind of system going. So on a larger scale, it's a type of aging process. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. See, look, I learned something new today. So, yeah, yeah. We, our Slayer has done more in the tradition, like the vatted system of right. yeah, gotcha. stainless okay. steel. But I was um, reading about that the other day. I, I'm recently, like you said, about I've recently become obsessed with Fino Sherry and that, mm. that whole, mm. like, all the Fino and Manzanilla and all yep. of that. And so... I came to that from liking whiskey aged in Fino Sherry, which was like, well, what is, what does Fino taste like? And then I started going down this rabbit hole of trying all these different sherries, learning <laughs> about Solera and all this. So it is fun for me to kind of get obsessed about different things. I mean, I, I'm going to have to pair this again with some Australian Shiraz and see yeah. how it is and see what I can pick up out of we it. We tried that. Uh, we tasted out that uh, that Balekin 11-year Manzanella. Oh, yeah. That that was so good. <laughs> so good. When you said Manzanella, it made me think about that. Nice. But anyways. Um, no, no. I love the comparisons to other whiskeys. It's great. Yeah. Um, should we tell people how to find it if they want to buy oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess Fountainhead. Right. Right. You're taking, um, Bob is taking in a couple of the cases for it. There will be cases of it um, on the shelf here at the Fountainhead Market. 
But um, depending on when this airs, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know when that will be. Let's call it Christmas Day. Oh, God. <laughs> um, there should be a link on the Women Who Whiskey, uh, like Instagram and stuff yeah. like that. And if not, my Instagram is Whiskeyed Wanderlust, and you can write out, write to me, send me a message, and yeah. I'll I will sell you a bottle happily. Right. <laughs> right. And uh, if you need to, any information how to find it, just DM Arkina like uh, page two. That's always easy, helpful because. Mm-hmm. I'm a brand ambassador for Star Wars, so I think point <laughs> you in the right direction. Star Wars related, you can always reach out to Jake. Do you yeah. horse related? No. Mm. Avalar related? Absolutely not. No. Uh, <laughs> never, never, ever, ever. Um, but no, if you have questions on that, we'll direct you to the right place to be. But uh, this yeah. is awesome. This I'm so I'm so fun. glad that's the this way we could exciting. open the very first bottle of this. I know, pick and in this Chicago. is fun to have like a record of us drinking it for right. the first time. And I'm glad that yeah. I. As someone who lives alone in a pandemic, <laughs> I'm glad mm-hmm. I didn't open this alone and drink it alone. You know, it was really fun yeah. to do this with you guys. And, right. and I feel like this cool was to... kind of a recreation of our very first tasting of it being mm-hmm. like, yes, we want to buy this. Good so point. This was, this was fun. It's a good thing Wilson didn't show up. I know. And Wilson didn't show up. Yeah, you little jerks. Uh, great awesome. to have my, my whiskey friends in this space at least one more time, too. Yeah. So that's yeah, very, very touching for that, Bob. I'm glad we could be here for that. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers.